What's going on, Redemption Community Church? My name is Corey Ball. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption. And I want to say thank you so much for joining us again for week two of our series, A Third Way, a series on race relations. Um, and I want to say thank you for all of you who shared this sermon with friends, uh, or last week's sermon, rather. It was incredible, and uh, I know that it has been shared out a lot, and so thank you so much for that. Again, it's a very important thing, um, especially on topics like this, I believe, to get God's Word out there to people. And so uh, thank you so much for sharing that to those of you who did share. Um, well, I, I feel like we, again, we're in this polarized society that we're either uh, on this side or that side. They're, the people are either in camp friend of mine, right? They're here uh, or they're in the them garbage. Okay. They're either in camp friend of mine or they're in the them garbage. And, and that's just how we operate. And, and at the end of the day, uh, we, we don't really reconcile with people who, who are, who are in the them garbage. If we put them in the them garbage, they are there for eternity, right? Does anybody feel like that? I feel like that. Um, and, and, and our culture is, is forcing us to choose either you're this or you're that um, on all the issues. Again, uh, this is how I feel. I think you feel the same way. Well, we are in this second week of um, A Third Way, a series on race relations, and we're looking at the third way of Jesus. Uh, Jesus was often confronted with these options. Jesus, you're this or you're that, right? And Jesus goes, no. Inevitably, Jesus would always choose the third way. He would choose a third option. And so we want to capture that third way here at Redemption. In everything we do, we want to be following the third way of Jesus, and really, that's the way of the kingdom of God. Uh, we don't want to follow the left or the right or this or that. Um, no, we just want to follow Jesus, the third way, the kingdom of God. And so we're going to be capturing that this uh, this week. And in 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 culture, culture today is is uh, kind of forcing you, forcing upon you the choice of one or two things. Culture is saying to you right now, "Hey, buddy, are you a racist or are you a Marxist?" <laughs> Are you racist or are you Marxist? These are your options. And as a Christian, you're going, I don't really like those options, right? Like, I, I'm not a racist, but I'm not a Marxist either. Like, what should I do? Um, and, and as the culture is pushing that upon you, Jesus is going, no, no, buddy, there's a third way, right? Like, come, come with me. I'll show you. I'll teach you what this third way is. And yet our culture continues to push on us to choose a pole, to pick a tribe, and to attack the other side. Uh, this is what we are consistently being pushed toward. So let's remove the polarity for these things for a moment. And, and let's look at this, because for the most part, uh, we're really not, um, as people, we, we really aren't represented by a pole on, on something that is polarized. Rather, we look more like a Venn diagram, right? I mean, I mean, there are issues swirling around us, and for the for the majority of us, we're somewhere in the middle of these issues. And so today, we're going to look at that just real quick. Uh, check out this Venn diagram for uh, for example. Now, listen, uh, this is an oversimplification of a very complex issue. So I first want to say that, um, and it doesn't get, doesn't hold every issue in here. But at the top of the Venn diagram, you see protests are an American right, and that right should be exercised. On the far left, rioting and looting is a crime, and it should be punished. On the bottom, cop lives matter. Cops lives matter. On the right, 
black people's lives matter. In the top right uh, gray, we should protest for equal treatment of all people, imago Dei, right? Image of God. In the top left, peaceful protests are different than riots and looting. The bottom left, rioters and looters should be prosecuted. In the bottom right, injustices against either group should be punished, not ignored. Okay, now this is, again, it's an oversimplification of a very complex issue. It doesn't cover things like the George Floyd murder. Um, now, most of us believe that that was murder. Actually, 65% believe that it's a clear-cut murder. 25% of people would say that it is probably murder, but they're unclear, they're unsure, but they do know there was an excessive use of force um, and, and potential foul play. Okay, so 90% of Americans are going, yeah, injustice needs to be prosecuted, right? Um, most of us, though, when it comes to these other issues, we're kind of in the middle of a lot of things, right? And people aren't uh, trying uh, to have ill will in their heart. Uh, I, I really believe that. I think I think m many people, most people, um, are good people. I think our news feeds are filled with, again, the, the, the 5% or the 10% or less of people um, that, that are a little crazy. We do have some crazy people in our country, okay? Uh, but I think the majority of us aren't there. The majority of us are trying to love uh, our fellow neighbor as best as we can, right? Um, but again, our culture pushes us instead of the, the Venn diagram. We, we, we fail to, to recognize a Venn diagram of belief in other people. They fail to recognize it in us. And our culture continues to push us to choose a pole, right? To pick a tribe and to attack the other side. That's what they want us to do. And so we're not going to do that. Uh, that's not what we're going to do. That's not what we're going to do at Redemption. We're going to look at the third way. As we, uh, as we work through this, um, this conversation around race, we're going to, um, we're, we're going to avoid the camp friend of mine and the them garbage, right? Cause that's what we do. We, we take people out of camp friend of mine. Well, you're no longer part of the camp. Okay. And I'm going to put you into the them garbage. All right. We're not going to do that. Um, and, uh, but, but as we, as we talk about this, um, what I, what I, what I want to be clear on though, is, is, is I don't want to, I don't want to teach you what to think. I, I don't want to tell you what to think. I want to get to, to you how to think. And so why am I trying to teach you um, how to think and not what to think? This is why. Because I don't want to create people who worship the words of Corey Ball. I want to create people who worship the words of Jesus Christ. It's very different, right? I don't want you to be fully dependent on me. I want you to be fully dependent and reliant on God. And so at the end of the day, uh, I'm not going to tell you what to think. I'm going to tell you how to think. If you want to hold my, my words in high regard, please feel free to do so. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is you holding my words higher than that of Jesus Christ's, okay? And so again, I'm not going to tell you what to think. I'm going to teach you how to think. And before we begin uh, here, we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 1. We're going to go to the very first chapter of, of the Bible, very first book of the Bible. But before we get there, I want to give you the bottom line for today. And it's this, that racial unity is not our idea. It's God's idea. Okay, not our idea, it's God's idea. So Genesis chapter 1, we're going to go to verses 26 and 27. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. You catch that? Let us make human beings in our image to be like 
us. What's going on here? Is there a plurality of gods? No, there's one God, but, but what is that one God? It's the Trinity, right? We believe in Christianity that there is one God in three persons, that it's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and together uh, they have existed for all of eternity. There's never a point in time that they have not existed. That's crazy for our minds. We, we can't even fathom that, but that's what we believe, okay? And so we have God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're, they're here in Genesis. Like Jesus isn't, uh, you know, he's not a New Testament creation. He's not an invention. He's been around the whole time. Same with the Holy Spirit. So we have God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, and they're all there. And they're going, hey, let us make man in our image to be like us. Let's continue. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Okay, what are these verses saying? These verses are saying that every single person in the world was created with the image of God installed into them, imprinted upon their soul, that you have a thumbprint of God on you. It's called the image of God. And that every single baby that was, that was, was born in St. Louis hospitals here, and every single baby that was, that was born underneath the acacia tree in the Kalahari Desert in Africa, it doesn't matter where you were born or where you come from or who you are, you have the image of God on you. And the image of God is this. It means that in part, not fully, but in part, we reflect our Creator, that we reflect God, that we have His image it, like stamped onto our soul. That emotionally and intellectually and spiritually, we look like Him. In part, not in full, but in part. And what this is saying is that every single one of us has this intrinsic value, this image of God birthed inside of us. The founders of our country actually talk about this in the Declaration of Independence. It says this, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, listen, these things, they're coming to fruition in our country, right? Um, and, and some would say they've already, they, they have already come to fruition. Some would say they're coming to fruition. Um, but, but here's the truth. We do know that even after these were written, uh, there was still slavery in our country. There were, there were still Jim Crow laws. There, there were still serious injustices against an entire race of people. And that, was, that, that is racism, racism. It was racism. And it was wrong. Um, but the document talks in it about these unalienable rights, something that we all have. And in part, this is kind of getting at the image of God, right? That we were created with these things inside of us, that they were birthed inside of every single one of us, that not one man or one woman was born without them. Um, the bottom line, again, uh, God talks about this, right? But then also, like, we're in the Declaration of Independence. They're talking about this. But, 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 but this isn't something from the Declaration of Independence. This isn't, this isn't their idea. It's not the Founding Fathers' idea. The idea comes from God. Racial unity is not our idea. It's God's idea. Uh, on August 28, 1963, Martin Luther, he delivers his I Have a Dream speech, one of the most famous speeches of all time. And he says this, 
In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So what does unalienable mean? Unalienable means this, that we didn't earn them, that we didn't design them, we didn't ask for them, we also can't give them or take them away. Unalienable means that, that God simply gave them to us, that these rights, that, that they, were, they were given to us forever, they're a part of who we are, in this desire for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, they were all born with them. They're literally stitched into the fabric of our humanity. It's who we are. And this is why 250,000 people, they came to the Capitol Mall to hear Dr. King deliver this speech. They were fighting and begging and wanting and yearning for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's why these, these words, they still echo in our hearts today. It's why... I think most of us want to honor the image of God in others as well as respect it in ourselves. That we understand that we were all given these unalienable things in the image of God. It's who we are. So today we're talking about racism and what God thinks about racism. So we need to confront this. What is racism? Uh, now, listen, this is a very important question. I, I know it sounds absurd for us to say, hey, what is racism? It's a very important question because uh, the definition of racism is changing, okay? So we're going to go to the tried and true, the, the, the definitions that have existed for a long time. Um, and when, when you look at the Anti-Defamation League, when you look at, uh, you know, like m much of the NAACP, when you look at dictionary.com, webster.com, okay, all these different things, what is racism? Racism, very simply, is this. It's hatred or intolerance toward another person based off of their race or it's, or it's prejudice or discrimination um, against someone <clears throat> or a group of people based off of the color of their skin. Okay, so this is racism. That's the spirit of the law of, uh, or the spirit of the definition of what racism is, all right? So to judge someone based off of the amount of melanin that God decided to put in their genetic sequence is not only racist and wrong and ridiculous, but it's also an affront to the creator. And it's an assault on his creation. It is wildly unchristian. We cannot be racist in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, though there have been people in the past who have attempted to do so, we cannot do that. That is not who we are. It's definitely not the third way of Jesus. So racism is an affront on the Creator. It's an assault on His creation. See, again, we, we, we go back to this idea of, of racism, or, or excuse me, racial unity. It's not our idea, it's God's idea. He wanted that unity with us. In a way, Jesus discusses this. He discusses racism and he discusses the, these things that we're kind of facing today um, in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 21 and 22. He says this, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, 
If you are even angry with someone, in some manuscripts, they would say without cause. If you're angry with someone, without cause. But Jesus says if you're, if you're angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, uh, some manuscripts say, or, or if you say they're a fool, if you call them ignorant or a fool, right? If you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. And so Jesus, he's actually confronting two different beliefs here. At first read, you may not see this, right? But, but understand the culture. We have to look at the cultural context here. He, he's actually looking at two different belief systems here. One is going to be the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious elites. And they were there listening to Jesus say these things. And see, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they believe this. If, if I achieve technical holiness, then I'm good, Right? Uh, by that, they, they, they really believe, like, as long as I don't murder someone, I'm fine. But behind their back, I can defame them. I, I can say very e- evil, nasty, terrible things about them. And when I'm in the, the safety of my kitchen and my living room, I can talk to my wife and my family about them and destroy them. But as long as I don't kill them, as long as I don't murder them, I'm fine. And Jesus is going, no guys, <laughs> you missed this one, right? Like quit looking after technical holiness and really go after the spirit of, of what being holy is. Well, the other um, group of people that, that Jesus is completely going against is that of the Roman citizen. So this is actually part of the Sermon on the Mount, this Matthew chapter 5. And this Sermon on the Mount, it was given on the Chorazin Plateau. And and this is right outside of Capernaum. It's north of Galilee. And this entire region is under Rome uh, control. It's under Roman control. Like this is is being looked at and supervised by Rome. And the, the, the crazy thing about Rome is they, 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 they did this thing where they would take their wealth and their riches and they would pay people from certain areas to really be spies for them, to be on their team. And, and so what you see here is that in this crowd of people, you're going to have uh, Roman citizens and you're going to have Roman sympathizers and you're going to have Roman spies. And so Jesus is saying to all these people from Rome that are sitting there listening, you know, to his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. They're sitting there listening to him and, and he's telling them that, that what they believe is wrong. And what do they believe? What do the Romans believe? The Romans believe this. They believe that their life matters and that no other lives matter. They actually do believe this. Okay. This is a Roman belief. They would say that, that, that we as Roman citizens, we matter. All other lives are expendable. Okay. This is an actual belief that the Romans would have, would have had. And so, um, so what Jesus is saying is that, wait a minute, you have to treat other people with the same respect that you would treat a fellow Roman citizen. And they're going, wait a minute, like, uh, you're telling me that I have to respect and love other people the way I would respect and love myself? I got to treat them and talk to them the way I would talk about myself? That I wouldn't call myself an idiot or a fool? And so I can't talk about that, or I can't talk that way about them. And so what, what makes me special? Am I, am I no longer special, right? And, and so it's really interesting that Jesus, he, he, he comes in and he gives this, this, this edict, right? That, hey, when you call someone an idiot, you call someone a fool, um, like you're in, in danger of the same punishment as if you murder someone. And he says, what is that danger? You're in danger of the fires of hell. Without the salvation 
of Jesus. Like we are all in that danger. And this is crazy. See, Jesus is confronting these two different groups that, that are on polar opposites, right? They're polarizing these issues and, and he's confronting them and he's offending both of them. And Jesus is often an equal opportunity offender. And remember, our series bottom line is this, that Jesus, he didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. He's not interested in taking this side or that side, your side or their side. He's interested in taking over all sides, reigning supreme and being the authority over all things on the earth. And one day, Revelation says that that will happen. And so Jesus says some crazy things here, right? He upsets the Romans because he's saying, listen, guys, it's not because of your citizenship and it's not because of your status that, that, that you are in good standing with anyone. No, 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 right? And Jesus is saying this to, to us today. Hey, it's not because of your wealth. It's not because of where you were born. If you were born in America or if you were born in another country, it's not because of what side of the tracks you were born on or what area of the city you were born in. It's not because of the things you own. To them, he would say your chariots, your homes. To us, he would say your Cadillacs and your homes. It doesn't matter where you're from or what you own or who you are. That doesn't put you in righteousness with me. It doesn't put you in right standing with me. And then to the religious elites, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, Jesus is saying to them, hey, listen, um, your technical holiness is not holiness. To us, he would say, hey, uh, uh, just because you haven't killed your Facebook nemesis doesn't mean you're off the hook. Because every week you get on there and you say, idiot, ignorant, uninformed, foolish, moron, stupid. And as I'm listing all these, these words off, your toddler next to you is wondering why the pastor is cursing. See, we tell our toddlers and our young children not to use those words. Why? Because they're pejorative, they're derogatory, like they're, they, they are, they're used to defame and to tear down people. And we tell our toddlers not to use those words. And yet, we are found by the light of our computer screen or the light of our phone sitting in bed using them, putting them out there for the whole world to see. You see this? And what if we took it a step further, instead of just using it against someone who has a different ideology than us, but what if we used it against someone because of their skin color, because of the, the, the amount of melanin that God decided to give them in their genetic sequence? That's racism. <laughs> and it has no place in the kingdom of God. No place. I also don't believe, uh, again, from talking to all those that I've talked, uh, talked to at Redemption, I don't believe that this is your practice. I don't believe that this is who you are. Um, I believe that you have nuanced thoughts around these subjects that bring you to different outcomes. But I've not heard anything that is racist here at Redemption. And so I just want to say first, I, I'm, I'm a proud pastor of all of you. Uh, I'm proud to be your pastor. Um, but we need to be careful that we don't ever go down that path, that we don't ever call someone a name or think something of someone. Um, I mean, period, we need to work on that, right? But especially because of the way that God designed them. Because what we do when we do that as, hu as humanity, what, you know, as the human race, what we do when we do that is we're effectively saying that God screwed up. He gave someone too much melanin in their genetic sequence. He made a mistake. 
God doesn't make mistakes. And so um, somebody said to me last week, they said, Corey, uh, but don't, don't we ever contend or fight for something? Like, shouldn't we fight for things? Absolutely. They, they, they said to me, they said, last week in your sermon, you said that a soldier does not concern himself with the affairs of civilians. And Paul talked about that. So like, how do we, how, how do we deal with that? But when do we fight for something? How do we contend for something? Um, and, and, and just to be clear, Paul, when he's talking about that, he, he's saying that, hey, we, we, are, we are on a different level as Christians, that, that we, we don't get involved in, you know, in, in these squabbles, right? Instead, uh, as someone who's a part of the kingdom of God, we, we are on a different plane. And that's not a superiority thing. That's to say that our mission is different. Our mission uh, isn't to get involved in these things, but it's to stay up here. And, and there are times, though, however, that we need to contend and fight for things. Uh, in fact, we're going to do a sermon series, and it's going to be a long-standing sermon series, but we're going to have one-off weeks kind of in between other sermon series. And the sermon series we're going to do is, is called The Theology of Blank, you see there. And we're going to do a, a bunch of different topics. We're going to talk about death, um, which I'm excited to talk about that because, um, you know, as a pastor, I hear a lot of really bad things around uh, theology when it comes to death. Um, but in the moment when someone has passed away, it's not the right time for me to uh, correct someone's bad theology, right? So we're going to talk about death. We're going to talk about heaven and hell. We're going to talk about marriage and divorce. We're going to talk about work and retirement, uh, which will be good. But one of the weeks we're going to talk about is, is going to be fighting. We're going to talk about a theology of fighting. How do you contend for something properly uh, according to the third way of Jesus? Now, I, I want to say this. That I, I don't think the way that you're contending for things right now uh, or the way that most of us are contending for things, they're probably not appropriate, right? Like, let's be adults. Let, let, let's, let's, let's shut the laptop. Let's turn the phone off. And instead of, uh, of, of just pecking away at the keyboard, instead of hiding behind the keyboard, let's call someone up, invite them over for coffee, and let's discuss some ideas. Remember this, that, that, that weak-minded people, they discuss people, Strong-minded people, though, they discuss ideas. At Redemption, we want to be people that discusses ideas. Not people, but ideas. We want to invite people over to our house, stay socially distanced, but invite them over for coffee. But the question is, uh, is there a time to fight for something? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, back when I lived in Virginia, before I moved to St. Louis, I, um, I worked as a construction uh, salesman. So I sold gutters and siding windows, roofing, decking. Uh, all these different things. And um, and so one day I, I had to go to a new build and I had to talk to this GC and, and on this new construction home and give him a bid for siding and for windows. And so I, I pull up to the house, you know, it's a super uh, muddy mess all around the house and he's, he's kind of standing on some rock that was just delivered, smoking a cigarette out there in the front and uh, he, he, um, he, he looks super perturbed. So I walked up to him and I said, hey, uh, good morning. How's your morning been? He goes, yeah, you know, uh, it's it's not very good. You know, he starts throwing some curse words in there. And I said, oh, okay. Um, I said, what's going on? And he goes, well, you know, the, the blanking electrician, the, the, the blanking electrician, he's late and blah, 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 and bleep, bleep, bleep. And, uh, and then he proceeds to uh, tell me in the most colorful, racial, slurred, filled language, uh, it's because the electrician is black. And then he continues with stereotypes uh, and all these things about uh, black people being late and lazy and good for nothing. 
And I had an opportunity at that moment to uh, take the, the bid that I needed to give and, and to walk away, right? $20,000, you know, job potentially to walk away from that. Or I had the opportunity to do what was right. And I did what was right. I, I, I fought against this guy. I stood up to him in a respectful way. And I said, sir, listen, there's a lot of reasons that this guy could be late. Um, but the bottom line is the way you're speaking about him is not okay. I can't stand for that. And so here's the deal. I, I can either give you a bid for this $20,000 job or I, I can walk away. And if you wish me to leave, I can leave. But I, but I can't stay here if you're going to continue to speak about this man like this. And he proceeded to call me a liberal millennial snowflake and the racial slurs and stereotypes continued. And so I said, well, you know what? That's my cue to leave, sir. Have a great day. Hope you get this job done. And I walked away. There's a time for us to contend for things, but it's not always the way that we believe uh, we should be contending for things. So, so far we've established this. We've established that God created us all in the image uh, or in, in his image, and no matter what our race is, right? Like God's created us all in his image, in the image of God. The second thing, that the third way of God, the kingdom of God, it says that the attitude of our heart is the same if we speak ill about someone, we call them an idiot or a fool, and if we murder them, okay? Like the attitude of our heart is the same, all right? So we got to be really clear about that. We've also said this, that racial unity is not our idea, it's God's idea. Okay, racial unity, it's not our idea. It's God's idea. So in a world today where we find ourselves regularly asking, like, is this racist or is that racist? How do we answer that question? When, when articles pop up on your, you know, your newsfeed or your social media pages, and it talks about this new thing that, that, that you know, came up that is now racist, how do you determine if that is racist or not. Again, remember, my goal today is not to tell you what to think. My goal is to teach you how to think. I don't want to create people who worship the words of Corey Ball. I want to create people who worship the words of Jesus Christ and is in relationship with Jesus. So, we have one more section of verses. We're going to look at this in Matthew chapter 22. Uh, before these verses, though, before verse 34, um, what we see is Jesus, he, he gives another third way. We're not going to get into this today, but I'm just going to describe it a bit. Um, so Jesus is talking to the Sadducees, and they ask him this really convoluted question around marriage and divorce and death and heaven. And Jesus, uh, you know, he's given these two options. Jesus, is it this or this? And Jesus goes, no, no, no. <laughs> Let me show you the third way. Okay, so I encourage you, read that. It's really awesome. It's just before these verses. But we're going to go ahead reading Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. There it is. Jesus, he was given the, the option, he was given the question, which is the most important law in all the commandment, and, and, and Jesus gave him the answer, and that's cut and dry. So we have to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, right? 
No. See, Jesus, he was given the option of, of giving one thing, the most important commandment in all the law. And, uh, and Jesus goes, no, 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 <laughs> that's, that's earthly. That's, you guys understand that down here. But, but, but let, me, let me show you the third way of who I am. So he continues in verse 38. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. That word is so important, equally the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. What does this mean? It means that you can't fully love God without also fully loving your neighbor. It means that you can't fully love your neighbor without also fully loving God, that these two commandments are equal And as Christ followers, if we get this right, if we can love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind, if we can love our neighbor as ourselves, all of the other laws in all of Scripture hinge on these two things. And so, um, this is a crazy question, but, but the question is, how do we know if we're loving our neighbor? In the 21st century today, in 2020, maybe the better question right now uh, in, on this topic, concerning this topic, is how do we know if something is racist or not? Now, listen, I know that is a crazy question. Um, I know it's a crazy, crazy question. Uh, is, is something racist? But, but when, when stuff pops up in your news or in your social media feed, you have to consider this. Um, recently, I saw an article that popped up and it was talking about digital blackface. If you haven't heard about this, it's this idea that if you share a GIF of someone of another race, that that act is actually racist, okay? I'm not going to give you my opinions on it. I have opinions and thoughts, um, but I'm not going to give you those thoughts. Um, Again, my goal is not to teach you what to think, but how to think, okay? So just very clearly stating um, this is what popped up on my feed, that if you share a GIF of someone else or someone from another race, that, that, that that is a racist act, okay? Um, so really interesting. So how do you answer that question? Well, first I would say, turn to the Bible. Okay. Turn to the Bible. And and this is a really delicate thing. Um, because what happens is when we turn to the Bible, we often just turn to snippets found on Facebook pages or on, uh, you know, Pinterest boards or, uh, you know, at our, at our mother-in-law's house. Um, like, yeah, we get it, Joan. Okay. Like you read the Bible, you have Jeremiah 29, 11 on something in every single room in your house. Um, we, we get it right. But, um, you know, by the way, Joan's not my, my mother-in-law, it's fictitious, but, um, uh, but, but that's not reading the Bible. Okay. Like going, going and, and, and getting another sign at Hobby Lobby and, and, and putting a nail in your wall and just hanging it up there. That's not reading the Bible. It's not reading the Bible to, to just follow your, your mother on Facebook. It's not reading the Bible uh, to just follow a Pinterest board of, of, of Bible quotes. No, 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 of Bible verses. No, you need to immerse yourself in the Bible 20 minutes a day, like literally immerse yourself, read as much as you can. And over time, you're going to start to see the pattern of Jesus and who he is. His character is going to shine through the pages at you. Okay, so, so that's what we want you to do, to go into scripture. But it's really delicate because... Let's be honest, uh, there was an entire group of people that tried to use the Bible to justify why they owned other human beings in the American slave trade and, and, and during you know, chattel slavery. So um, we have to be really careful. 
about this. My encouragement is that you read the Bible in community with other people. You don't just read it alone. So the first thing you do is you go to the Bible, but here, it turns out, gifts aren't in the Bible. Crazy, right? So what do you do? Now, this is going to sound super cliche. It's going to sound like a complete Jesus juke, but I'm serious when I say this. You turn to God. You go to the Holy Spirit. You pray about these things. You actually, this is going to sound like a novel, crazy idea. You actually enter a relationship with Jesus where you depend on him to uh, show you if something is right or wrong. That you pray about it. You go to the Holy Spirit. Um, and so th- this, this uh, verse in John chapter 16, it talks about the Holy Spirit. I love this verse. Just before this, Jesus says, hey, he's talking to his disciples. He's like, hey guys, I'm going to have to die. And when I die, I'm going to send you an advocate, meaning the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you this advocate and the Holy Spirit's going to help you. And, and, and what, what is one of the duties of the Holy Spirit? What's one of the things that the Holy Spirit is called to do? This is John chapter 16, verse 8. It says, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So how do you figure out if something is uh, an act of racism around this issue uh, issue of uh, of racism? Um, uh, How do you figure out if something is racist or not? Well, if you're a Christ follower, you legitimately depend on the Holy Spirit to convict you if it's sin or not. Again, like we need to enter into a relationship with Jesus, depend on Him, depend on the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit will convict you. It'll be this like just unsettling tick in your soul that, man, the way I said that or what I did was wrong. I need to repent of that because I didn't honor the image of God in that person, right? Because I called them a fool or an idiot. And I did so based off of their skin color or based off of their race. The Holy Spirit will convict you. Absolutely. That will happen. And, and listen, for, for those of you who are primarily emotional people, um, the, the Holy Spirit's not primarily emotional. And for those of you that are primarily logical people, the Holy Spirit is not primarily logical. <laughs> Turns out, uh, I believe wholeheartedly that the Holy Spirit is a full embodiment of emotion and logic. Just like Jesus is a full embodiment of grace and truth, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, is emotion and, and, and logic, but a full embodiment, perfectly both. And so I I believe that if we enter into a relationship with Jesus and we follow the Holy Spirit, we're going to come out more moderate than we ever could have dreamed. But it's not going to look like the moderate uh, side of of earth. It's going to look like the moderate side of heaven. It's going to look like the third way, the way of the kingdom of God. So like I said last week, uh, redemption is a church that's full of diverse thought. You guys are very diverse. After all these conversations I've had with you, Again, I don't believe that you're racist. I don't believe that anyone in our church is racist. So I'm proud of that as a pastor. But I do believe this, that you have a nuance of thought and you have a nuance of outcomes of, of thought you know, around these issues. Uh, the way that you believe we should go about fixing some of these issues uh, and, and some of your beliefs around some of the issues are very nuanced. Again, these issues are very complex. So how do we as Christians, how do we stay unified? around these issues. As I wrap this up, here are four things that we talked about today that we're going to agree on that are essentials. If you're at, if you're at redemption, we ask you to agree on these four things um, around the issue of race. Number one, 
Everyone is created in the image of God, no matter the amount of melanin that God has given you in your genetic sequence. No matter what color you are, no matter what race you are, everyone has the image of God imprinted on their soul. Number two, the third way of Jesus says that our attitude of our hearts, when we call someone an idiot or a fool, is the same as if we murdered them. That's the third way of Jesus, right? That we're called to a higher, purer standard of righteousness. Um, it's not okay for us to use derogatory language about someone um, just the same way it's not okay for us to murder someone. Number three, there are two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And these are equally important, okay? Number four, if we're truly following Jesus, the Holy Spirit will convict us of the sin of racism if we commit it, okay? Uh, the Holy Spirit will convict us of our racism if we commit it. And I'm going to leave off the same way that I left off last week. As much as you discuss truth, as, as often as you discuss truth, that you extend grace. And a step further, whenever you discuss truth, uh, we ask you to extend grace first. Because our uh, proclivities are not to extend uh, grace before we give truth. Our proclivity is just to uh, bomb someone with truth. But that wasn't Jesus. And so we're going to extend grace before we go to truth. What would the world uh, say about redemption when they see us having nuanced, differing views and opinions and yet still loving one another deeply? What would the world say about us uh, when they saw us having very nuanced, different views and, and disagreeing on these things, but still on mission together to see the community of Kirkwood and the surrounding areas uh, to meet, know, and live for Jesus. What would they say about us? Um, in John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus says, And they, the world, they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. So, Redemption. Let's be unified. Let's love one another. Let's give the world something to talk about. Father, I thank you for this, this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you for how you are knitting us all together. And, and uh, God, I pray that just like, um, just like the Japanese bowl, Kintsugi, the, the art of, of, of bowls that are broken and then, then put back together with, with gold, God, I pray that, that, that over these, these broken things that we're, we're forced to be so polarized over to choose a pole and pick a tribe and to attack the other side, God, I pray that you would put us together with a beautiful glue and that we would look more, uh, more, more, more beautiful after this is all over than we did before. I pray you would keep us on mission to see the people of Kirkwood and the surrounding areas meet, know, and live for Jesus. I pray that, uh, that we, would, we would keep the primary things the primary things, and that we would love each other deeply, that we would extend grace as often as we discuss truth, and we would extend grace before we discuss truth. God, I pray that we would agree on the essentials and that we would give each other grace on anything that is secondary. And Lord, I pray that racism would never exist in this church. And it's all these things we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.